Hey guys, you remember these? And I used to love Legos growing up. And I found out some things about Legos. You know, there are about 62 Lego bricks for every one of the world's 7.8 billion inhabitants. Can that be true? Oh my goodness. Children around the world spend 5 billion hours a year playing with Lego bricks. And seven Lego sets are sold by retailers every second around the world. Uh, do you know which company manufactures more car tires than anyone else in the world? It's Lego. They're just really, really little tires. Now, here's the thing. You, you look at the basic Lego brick, and you know that they aren't meant to exist on their own. There's bumps on one side and divots on the other side, and you can just tell from the design that they are meant to fit together with other bricks. I mean, I suppose a kid could play with one Lego, but you can't build this Lamborghini with just one Lego. Legos are meant to go together. Now, in the same way, you can't look at a human being and the way a human being is designed without discerning that God created us to be with other people. We are meant for relationships. In fact, back in the 13th century, there was uh, the German king, Fred Frederick II, and he conducted uh, a horrible, diabolical experiment intended to discover the world's original language. Was it going to be Latin or Greek? And he thought it was going to be German. Um, but King Frederick, he took babies from their mothers at birth and he placed them in the care of nurses who were forbidden to speak into them or touch them. And he assumed man's original language would naturally emerge. Frederick's experiment was cut short because all the babies died. It was, it was horrible. But listen, it illustrates this, that like air and water and food, healthy relationships is a basic human need. And if we don't get it, bad things happen. Almeida County did a study. A group of researchers tracked the lives of 7,000 people over a nine-year period. Here's what they found. People with weak relational connections were three times more likely to die than those with strong relational connections. This is life and death important, what we're talking about today. And it works the other way, too. People who had bad health habits, like smoking or eating poorly, uh, but had strong relational ties, lived significantly longer than people who had great health habits, but lived more isolated lives. So research proves if you want to live longer, it's better to eat Krispy Kreme donuts with good friends than eat broccoli all alone. Can I get an amen for that? All right. So... You think that's why the phrase one another is used 59 times in the New Testament? You think it was that God knew how much we needed community, and so he begins casting the vision in this early church for the fact that we would love one another, that we would pray for one another, we would carry one another's burdens, encourage one another, admonish one another, uh, spur one another on toward love and good deeds. 59 commands from God that we cannot obey unless we're in relationship. Community is a part of God's design for his people. Okay, so here's the problem. Loneliness 
is an epidemic. Psychologists say it's the number one emotional problem in our country today. And it's so ironic. We live in the most interconnected generation in the history of the world, and yet we're the most relationally disconnected generation. I mean, do you ever wonder if some of the technology that we thought would help improve our lives has somehow left us just relationally disconnected? You know, we used to sit on the front porch on a hot day visiting with friends, but once we had air conditioning, we all kind of went inside. The electric garage door opener, it meant we could come home from work and go into our house without ever having the occasion to interact with our next door neighbor. We don't walk out to get the paper anymore, it's delivered online. We used to listen to music together, but now we have noise-canceling headphones, and to be honest, have you ever put those headphones in not just to listen to the music, but because you didn't feel like talking to people around you, maybe at the gym or when you sat down on a plane? As a family, we used to sit down together to watch one of three TV channels on our family's one TV. But now we each have an individual Netflix profile and we watch on iPads in separate rooms. And if you haven't heard, that phone that you carry around is not actually for having a conversation anymore. I mean, that's so 2009. We text each other now in bite-sized phrases and codes. Listen, something is having a negative effect on community. It's, it's not getting better. The American Sociological Review reports that the average American has only two close friends, which is down from three since 1985. So I'm not sure what that third guy did to get voted out of the bunch, but things are not getting better over time. And who knows what weeks of, of, of social distancing has done to our sense of loneliness. And so this week, we're wrapping up our series, Get Out of Your Mind. We're talking about mental health. And if you've missed any of these messages, I just want to encourage you to go back and watch. Over the last few weeks, Albert, Megan, and myself, we've been exposing and combating four lies that keep us stuck feeling hopeless, isolated, anxious, or depressed. And today, we're going to wrap up our series by taking a look at this last lie, I am alone, that feeling that we're in this by ourselves, that no one understands what we're going through, the lie that I am alone. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up uh, or your Bible apps. Open up with uh, me to 1 Kings 19. We're going to look at verse 12 through 19. Let's read together. After the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of a gentle blowing. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And then he said, well, I've been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. So now listen, just one chapter before this, Elijah, he's the prophet of God, a spokesperson for God. He had boldly called down fire from heaven and God showed up in a powerful, miraculous, victorious way. It was huge. It was wonderful. But then Jezebel, the evil queen who'd 
he defeated, he, she wants his head on a stick. She wants him out of the picture. And Elijah freaks out. And he runs away over a hundred miles. And he's now alone in this cave. And it's here that he hears from God. And we see three things that help Elijah move from loneliness to connection. The first one is this. He retraces his steps. Uh, God asks a simple question of Elijah. What are you doing here? And Elijah had made decisions that had led him to this place. In his fear, he ran away. In his discouragement, he left his servant behind. He hides himself in a cave. The reason, Eli the reason Elijah is isolated is because over a period of time, he has taken step after step to move further away from community. If you're feeling alone, let me ask you, what steps have led to you feeling this way? I mean, you might say, hey, listen, ever since we had kids, we stopped making time for dinner out with friends. Listen, if, if you want to be your best for your kids, you got to find some other parents and get in community. I'm going to tell you right now, you'll need that support when they're teenagers. Somebody in that chat room say amen, right? You know what I'm talking about. So listen, um, when we got here the, the first week, Tim Stevens and I were walking around the office and we noticed outside there was a circle of minivans, basically, that were backed up and the lift gates were open. And uh, we saw people sitting around in a circle. We walked out and introduced ourselves and turned out, uh, turns out, sure enough, it was a group of mothers that had been praying for their seniors that were graduating high school. And that in and of itself is so cool. But what's even more cool is that they'd been praying for their students ever since those seniors were in sixth grade. We need that kind of community. What steps have led to you feeling alone? You might say, um, my career makes it almost impossible to have time for community. Well, I'm going to tell you this. In my job, I've had the occasion to, to be close to people who were facing eternity. They were on their deathbed. And, and you know what people talk about on their deathbed? Not one person has ever said to me, you know what, make sure the boat stays waxed. There's not one person on their deathbed that's worried about their nameplate staying on the corner office door. Not one person is asking about their 401k statement. You know what people talk about? They talk about God and they talk about people. That's what's important. So if you're too busy in your career for community, man, you're too busy. Some of you might say, well, I'm a man. I make fire. I hunt with a knife. I don't need community. Listen, even the Lone Ranger had Tonto, okay? Batman had Robin. And, and I know you're tough, but you still need friends. And from me to you, listen, if small groups and community... If it was just sitting around weeping and hugging each other and talking about our inner child, I wouldn't be there. I wouldn't be asking you to come to that. In fact, in my last small group, I met a guy named John, and John was on a special task force with the police. And guys, we've had some bad cops show up in the news recently, and we need to condemn that. But there are also a lot of good cops out there, too, and we ought to celebrate the way that they protect and service. And John was one of those cops. And he would tell stories about locking up some serious bad guys. And he was 
Um, he was trying to get me to go hog hunting from a helicopter. This guy, I mean, my point is this. I know you're pretty tough, but I bet you're not as tough as John. And even John knew that he needed community. We were in small group together. Man, what I love is Proverbs 27, 17, where it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And that's what I need. That's, that's what we had together. I need people around me that, that are making me sharper. Uh, you might say, I feel lonely because I fell off the wagon. I made a big mistake. And it just didn't feel right going back to a small group or going back to church or being around my friends again. And I would just say, what do you think the church is for? This place isn't a country club just for successful people. This place is a hospital for sick people. This is a place where it's okay to not be okay. So get into community. James 5.16 talks about sharing our weaknesses with each other, our mistakes with each other, and that that's how the, the healing begins. In recovery community, we'll say that we're only as sick as our secrets. So no matter what mistake you've made, lean into community. You might say, you know, as I re retrace my steps, I had a bad experience one time in small group or in church. Okay, first, let me tell you, I'm sorry about that. And I know how painful it can be uh, to be hurt by people that are supposed to be safe. But man, don't quit on community. You ever had a bad experience at a restaurant? Yeah, you, but you didn't quit going to restaurants. If you had a bad experience in a group, find another group. And so sometimes we feel lonely because of the steps that we've taken or decisions that we've taken. But sometimes it's steps that others have taken that have left us feeling lonely. Maybe it's circumstances beyond our control. We get transferred for work or, or we lose someone that's close to us or, or there's a global pandemic and we all have to socially distance for months. The question isn't so much, you know, who do we need to blame? The question is what happened that's making me feel lonely and then what steps can I take to get back into community? Retracing your steps. A couple of the things that Elijah does. The second thing is recognize God's presence. In his book uh, called The Dance of Hope, author Bill Fry tells a story of a blind student named John who not only lost his sight, but also his hope. He told Bill, uh, quote, I was bitter and angry with God for letting the accident happen, and I took my anger out on everyone around me. I felt that since I had no future, I wouldn't lift a finger on my own behalf. I'd let others wait on me. I shut my bedroom door and refused to come out except for meals. And that story really surprised Bill. The, the student he saw displayed no bitterness or anger. And John had traced the change in him to a challenge from his father who'd walked in one day and reminded the boy of the impending winter and told him to mount the storm windows on his house. He said, do the work before I get home or else. And he slams the door and he heads out. And John, John was ticked, muttering under his breath and cursing all the way to the garage. He found the windows, the stepladder and the tools, and he went to work. And in his mind, he thought, you know, they'll be sorry when I fall off this ladder and break my neck. But he didn't fall. Little by little, 
he groped around that house and he finished the chore. And that assignment achieved the dad's goal. John reluctantly realized he could still work and began to reconstruct his life. He, he, he had the ability to, to be productive, and so things began to change. And years later, he learned something else about that day. He learned something not about himself, but about his father. When he shared these words with Bill, his, his blind eyes misted up with tears. And he said, I discovered that at no time during the day had my father ever been more than four or five feet from my side. Now, some of you feel lonely because you don't feel God's presence, your heavenly father's presence in your life. But that doesn't mean he's not there. We get discouraged because we can't see what God is up to, but that doesn't mean that he's not working behind the scenes. If you'll notice earlier in 1 Kings 19 in our story, I mean, when Elijah was exhausted, God showed up and fed him and gave him rest. When Elijah was in the cave, it was God who called out to him that Elijah could run a hundred miles, but he couldn't get away from the presence of God. There's a guy named David who wrote a song um, about this truth over in Psalm 139. He writes these words, where can I go? from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. Guys, in your best moments, God is right there. And in your darkest moments, God is right there there. He's been with you the whole time. If you want to exit the cave of loneliness, I would say retrace your steps. I'd say recognize God's hand, his presence in your life. And then the third thing, race toward community. Look at verse 15. God says to Elijah, go, go, Return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you have arrived, you shall anoint Hazael, king of Aram, and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, and Abel Menheloah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. It shall come about the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael, Jehu will put to death, and the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu, Elisha will put to death. And I'll leave seven thousand in Israel, all the knees that have, uh, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. What's going on there? God tells Elijah, "You think you're alone, Elijah, but you've stepped away from connection. You've you've taken steps away, a hundred miles away from community. But if you if you want out of this cave, your next steps are to go back, to go back to the place where community exists." You need a friend, someone to help you carry this load. So go to Elisha and go establish some leaders, some new kings, and go to those 7,000 people who are on your side. You were saying just before, I'm alone in all of this. No, you're not. That was a lie you're telling yourself. There are 7,000 other prophets who are on your side. 
many of us think that we're isolated and alone and, 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 and we wait for someone else to take the initiative. Man, I used to work with young adults and I can't tell you how many times I'd, I'd get some 20-year-old guy moping up to me, I'm so lonely. Why won't God give me a girlfriend? I pray and I pray. And I'd ask him, when's the last time you asked a girl out? And he said, well, I haven't asked a girl out. I'm like, well, put down your Xbox and slap on some deodorant and go ask a girl out for coffee, okay? Take some initiative if you want community. God told Elijah to go. Man, if you want to move away from the cave of loneliness, if you're listening to this message today, I think God is telling you, here's a community of people. You're not alone, but you're going to have to take a next step. And I've got such good news for you. Willow Creek is one of the easiest places in the world to find friends. There are literally hundreds of leaders and thousands of people who are praying that they could meet you. They want you to check out their group. They want you to check out their team. This is a big church, but you get to decide how small it feels. Does that make sense? So retrace your steps. How, how did I get here in the cave of loneliness? It might give me some clues for how I get out. Recognize God's presence truly in seasons of loneliness with With God, we are never truly alone. And then race toward community. Take the initiative. Take the steps towards connection. Okay, so this is the time in the message where I stop preaching. And I really lean on God to take over and just talk to you about your next step. Uh, I mean, we all heard the same message today, but... But now we ask the Holy Spirit to open up our spiritual ears and soften up our hearts so we can really hear from God. What is my next step toward connection and community? So can we do this today? Let's spend a little time in listening prayer together. Let's close the service by praying together. Uh, Wherever you are, would you just, you know, bow your heads or fold your hands or close your eyes, however you feel comfortable. And let's just pray together. Ready? Let's pray. Um, Dear God, Father, show us what it means for us to race toward community. Um, God, is there a phone call you want us to make? God, what are the steps that we need to take towards community? Do we need to... um, explore something inside the church, some connection, some group or team, or God, is it something outside the church? Are you calling us to serve our elderly neighbor who can't cut their grass this summer and, and you want us to do that? Or is there some neighbor with that, that maybe doesn't have food and, and, and we're supposed to help them in some way? I mean, Jesus said, love your neighbor. And that could be one of the ways that we begin to create community. God, show us. God, do we need to ask for forgiveness from someone in our life? Is there some break in relationship that is causing us to be lonely? And you're asking us to forgive that person or they've asked for for forgiveness and we're holding a grudge. God, is that our next step to release that? 
God, for somebody that's praying right now, is there something they need to do with their calendar? Make some date night commitment or um, put something on the calendar where they stop working earlier so that they're home with their kids more. God, would you show us? God, maybe for somebody, is there somebody that needs to say, I, I need to meet with a pastor. There are some things, or a counselor, God, that if we're going to move past loneliness towards real relationships in our life, we're going to need some professional help. And I pray, God, that this would be a safe place where it's okay not to be okay. And, and God, that we would take those steps if that's what you're calling us to take. Dear Heavenly Father, um, one of the big things I'm learning and, and leaning into is that for us to have healthy relationships across ethnic lines, Lord, we're going to have to reach out to some people that are different than us. Lord, maybe that's our next step. Father, maybe for us, we need to, to, to reach out and, and start conversations with people and let healing begin. God, maybe for us, it's um, to say no to something so that we can say yes to community. Father, what is it that you're calling me to do? It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And hey, as we close, you know, we can sit here and talk about community, and we can pray about community, or we can do it. And so I'm going to sign off now, and if you are by yourself, I just want to ask you, will you Commit right now to sharing with someone what you feel like God told you was your next step. Will you call somebody after we're done or email somebody or text somebody and, 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 and begin community with somebody just by sharing with them what you feel like God told you? And, you know, if you're watching this with somebody, if you can look to your right or to your left or your left or your right, if you can watch this, if somebody's watching this with you, man, would you... Just as we sign off, share with those people, maybe even just one sentence, what you feel like God brought to mind, what your next step in community is. Seriously, God told Elijah to go. You do the same. Talk it over. Ready, set, go.